Well, it is extremely good to be here. I've been uh, subbed a few times here, and now uh, to be pastor of this place is a true honor for me. On behalf of Father Wolf and myself, uh, I want you to know how excited we are to be here, and for the upcoming years that we will serve you as priests, it will be a joy. It's been just under 48 hours since I've taken possession of St. Joseph's as the pastor, and I haven't made a mistake yet. (laughs) But I will. I'm sure I will make many, as will Father Wolf. And we ask in advance for your forgiveness and your patience. This year especially is going to be difficult because I'm still vocation director, uh, and he's a new priest. So... Be patient with us. I am the 21st pastor of St. Joseph's, and Father Wolf will be the 51st associate. The Catholic roots are deep here. Deep. This church is a beacon of Catholicism in our diocese, and we want to stand on the shoulders of the great men and women who have come before us and continue that legacy far into the future. Both Father Wolf and I simply ask for your prayers. And I don't say that as a formality. Because I'm a priest, I have to ask for prayers. I say that because I'm a man of prayer. And I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that if you are lifting us up every day, that things will go well here. And both Father Wolf, Wolf and I promise to pray for you. I don't think it is any secret that Father Shane and I are very different in our personalities. He's much quieter, I'm much louder. And it's certainly no secret that Father Wolf and I differ in size. (laughs) And by the way, if you ever get mad at me, you got to go through him first. He's my personal bodyguard now. But regardless of our differences, from Father Collins, the founding pastor, up to myself and Father Wolf, we all have one thing in common. We love Jesus. He's the center of our lives. He's everything. And we all have one common goal. From the apostles' first missionary work some 2,000 years ago up until today. And that goal is to get all of you to love Jesus as much as, you, as much as we do. To trust Him. To give Him your lives. And if you have, to go deeper. To fall more in love with Him. I have many ideas and goals for this parish, but my primary goal is to help you fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with God. It is the greatest thing in the world. It changes everything. Father Pedro Arupe, a Jesuit, once said this. He said, nothing is more practical than falling in love with God in a final and absolute way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. So how do you grow deeper in love with God? I think it's on display in our second reading. Everybody for 2,000 years wants to know what St. Paul's thorn in the flesh was. What could have been so bad for a guy that was so good? What could it have been? Some speculate that it was a speech impediment. 
And the reason they think this is because in the letter to the Corinthians, the Corinthians say to Paul, they say, you are so impressive in your letters. But when you speak to us in person, you're not impressive at all. And by the way, I hope you don't say that to other people in the parish about me. But there's a story also in the Acts of the Apostles. And it was Paul was preaching one night and he was, it, said, it actually says in the scripture, it says he went on and on and on. And there was a boy who was sitting in the window. And he went on and on and on. He went on so long that the boy fell asleep and fell out of the window. So maybe he was a bad preacher. Maybe he had a stutter or a stammer or something like that. I don't know. Some people think it was possibly that he had a physical ailment. And the reason they think this is because, and a lot of scripture scholars think this, is because in the letter to the Philippians, he says, you Philippians are so good to me that I, if I asked you for your eyes, you would give them to me. Now that's a weird request. Unless you have a problem with your eyes. So maybe that was his thorn in the flesh. Some say maybe it was a battle with lust. Whatever it was, we only know that it was terrible. Psychologically painful, maybe. Physically painful, maybe. Both, maybe. I don't know. But it was horrible and it was long-lasting. And we know that because he says, three times, I asked God to take this from me. Three times is a Semitic play on words. If I could give you a different translation, he says, I beg God ceaselessly to take this away from me. Do any of you feel like that? Like you pray and pray and you ask and ask and this thing is never taken away from you. Or maybe you run from it. Maybe you hate it. Now we may never know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. But we do know what our thorn in the flesh is. Maybe we have a physical ailment. Maybe we have a psychological disorder. Maybe we have a problem with certain sin, chastity, gossip, greed, resentment. Maybe we have more than one thorn. Maybe we wear a crown of thorns that plague us. These thorns in the flesh that just won't go away. They're the places where we're like, if this would go away, I would be a saint. Or I would be a good man. Or I would be a good woman. And that's not true, by the way. Because once that goes away, something else is going to creep in. But no matter how much we pray, and no matter how much we try to get rid of them, they won't leave. Here's the catch. These places are the holiest places in your life. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you believe me. These places where you can't do anything... They are the holiest places in your life. Why? Because it is the only place in your life where you can do nothing and God can do everything. You have to turn to him. I once heard an analogy of this, Monsignor Tom Richter. He said, imagine if a stone right now fell through the ceiling and landed on my foot. And it pinned my foot down. It was a 500 pound rock and I couldn't get my foot out. I was stuck. And I'm like, oh no, I'm stuck forever. And it gets weirder. At that moment, through that door, walks the 500-pound rock-lifting champion of the world. And he has a shirt that says, 500-pound rock-lifting champion of the world. Now, at this moment, I have a few options. I can think about what it would be like to have a rock on my foot for the rest of my life. I can make a list of pros and cons. 
of what it's like to have a rock on your foot for your life and not have a rock on your foot for the rest of your life. I could sit back and say, 500-pound rocks always fall on my feet and go into self-pity. Or I could do the only thing that is reasonable, which is what? Ask the 500-pound rock-lifting champion of the world to do something about it. That is Christian prayer. There's something in your, your soul, your heart, you can't do anything about. All you can do is go to the one that can do something about it. And ask him ceaselessly to do something. Now the only catch to that analogy is this. If the rock lifting champion of the world says no, then I have to believe in my... You get that that's Jesus? Okay. <laughs> So I have to believe then at at that point in my heart that whatever this is that I have, something good is going to come from it. Something amazing. Something so beautiful, if it's related, if it's in union with Christ, that it's going to change not only my life, but lives around me. And because it's the only place that God can work, that's why Paul says, yeah, I got this thorn in the flesh. I hate it. I asked God to take it from me. He said, no, my grace is sufficient. Because my power shines forth in your weakness. Then Paul says this. Well, I boast of my weakness then. Because it's there. It's in that place that God works most. It's where the power of Christ dwells. I always say that nobody needs God when they're sitting on the beaches of Cancun, sipping a margarita, watching the sunset. It's easy to say, God is good. When do you need God most? When everything falls apart. When your life is a mess. When you get that diagnosis. When you lose that job. And you have nowhere to turn. You can't control it anymore. Did you know... Since the year 2000, there has been one day where we saw a massive, massive spike in Sunday Mass attendance. Do you know what day that was? It was the Sunday after September 11th, 2001. And you know why? Because at that moment, in the face of that horrific of a tragedy, we couldn't do anything. These are the holiest places in your life. Will you accept that? Will you relate it like Paul did? Or will you run from it? Will you hate it? Because the more we... We got to realize Paul was one of the greatest saints in the church's history. Why? Because he didn't give up on Jesus. He didn't say, oh, the thorn in the flesh, that's just me. I got to be that. That's who I am. No. He realized that that's where God wanted to work, and God did work. And that's why he became one of the greatest saints in the church. The more we do this, the more we bring Jesus into these places that we have no control, the more we will encounter him in our lives. And the more we encounter him, the more we will say with St. Paul, I boast of my weakness. Because it is there that the power of Christ dwells. It is the one place that we know God is actually working. You know where it's easy? It's easy to experience God in our gifts. I love to preach. It's one of my favorite things to do. 
It's easy for me to experience God here. You know where I hate? I hate going to the hospital. I hate it. But it is the most, the most powerful events of my priesthood. Guess where they've happened? At the hospital. Why? Because I can't do anything there. I just have to say, Jesus, provide. Jesus, provide. And we have to have that stance for all of life. Jesus, provide. I don't know what I want. You know what I want. Give me what I want. The whole spiritual life is a life of dependence. Learning how to be dependent on God for all things, good and bad. And realizing that everything is coming from his hand. And so, my friends, we may never know what St. Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but we know, we know that he was not in control of it and that he boasted about it. And that's good news for us because we know our thorns. And we, too, in Christ, can boast and bring the power of God into this world in that spot. Realize that if it is embraced and given to Jesus every time it comes up, that God will work more powerfully than you can possibly imagine. And you will see him everywhere. Live the life of control, and your life will be a burden. Live the life of dependence on the Father, and you will find what your heart most desires.